Have you ever wondered what life as a bureaucrat really is? And if you have ever wondered, where would you turn to find the answer to such a strange and unfashionable question? Don't we really know what bureaucrats are like by watching Yes Minister or The West Wing or The Utopia series with Rob Sitch and co? But maybe not. Maybe we only get a view of bureaucrats that is based on an outsider's view that doesn't really tell you what a good bureaucrat, a good soldier schweik of today's bureaucracy is really trying to do. And let me on this podcast try to uh, offer you some insight into what life as a thinking bureaucrat really is what life as a writing bureaucrat really is like. That is the question we're asking on today's Burning Archive. What thou lovest well shall not be reft from thee. Welcome uh, everyone, I am Jeff Rich and this is the Burning Archive podcast and it's a podcast that is all about how the past is not dead the past is not even past and by thinking about the past we can live better in the present and part of my life part of my past was working for 33 years in the bureaucracy and I have described in the last two podcasts how I slowly found my way uh, to a writing life while still working as a bureaucrat publishing uh, a book of essays and a book of poems and this podcast is the next in this series on the books I have written. Now that I have found a way, uh, no longer working uh, in the bureaucracy, uh, making a, a, a kind of a living as a, uh, a, a retired very minor government official and independent author and content creator, now I can speak more openly about my writing, no longer restricted as a government official. And I'm sort of sharing the story of my uh, transformation through the slow development of my voice in the Burning Archive. It's slow release into the world, one podcast at a time. And uh, in this case, I am talking about a book that I am editing and writing some extra parts of, which, like my book from the Burning Archive, Essays and Fragments, is largely drawn from posts that I wrote originally on the Burning Archive website or blog. And that book is called 13 Ways of Looking at a Bureaucrat and... All of those 13 ways are ways of looking at a bureaucrat from 
I guess, the perspective of someone who has really been a bureaucrat uh, rather than just uh, someone who's making fun of bureaucrats and also is, uh, I guess, written from the viewpoint of someone who has uh, no longer any ambition for high office power, influence, board appointments, whatever, uh, and can perhaps offer a complex, candid and authentic uh, account of what the life of the mind in the bureaucracy is really like. So uh, this book that I'm writing, 13 Ways of Looking at a Bureaucrat, which I'm hoping will be, uh, or planning, I should say, will be published by sort of mid-year, mid-2023, that is, uh, is it's a collection of essays, and most of those essays began on the blog. Uh, but uh, unlike my other collection, the uh, From the Burning Archive, this collection, 13 Ways of Looking at a Bureaucrat, is really the essays I wrote from time to time on politics and government and, if you like, the lived experience of being a bureaucrat. And it is, I'm talking to you as it's really a work in progress. Uh, I've edited, I guess, I don't know, two-thirds of the manuscript at this point. Uh, and there's uh, kind of a essay at the start and an essay at the end that I just need to uh, draft over the next couple of months and include in the collection to make it a aesthetically pleasing, integrated, thematically coherent uh, book. And it is really about what is the largely silenced voice of the bureaucrat, the voice that could answer that question I started the show with what is life as a bureaucrat really like but is largely only answered through comedies and uh, the views of politicians and journalists or uh, people who've seen the bureaucracy from the very top not people who've been amongst the trenches so to speak Back in episode 86, I uh, described my struggle, I guess, uh, in bringing out the blog and the book from the Burning Archive, my sort of struggle between being a writer and a bureaucrat and how my earlier retirement from the bureaucracy really released me to be uh, this sort of independent author and in episode 87 uh, about how I wrote my book of poems Gathering Flowers of the Mind I sort of described the struggle within my writing between poetry and history or you could say the creative fusion uh, at least in my own mind of poetry and history in the uh, text that I have produced over the year but in this uh, collection, 13 Ways of Looking at a Bureaucrat. I'm still writing, I guess, as a writer, but I'm writing as a writer in the voice of the bureaucrat. And that is a very rare thing indeed. Uh, because in truth, although ultimately, I guess, I'm 
I left the bureaucracy and became independent author and content creator, uh, at least for now. There was always a struggle between within myself about uh, becoming a writer and being an excellent, successful bureaucrat. I wanted to be a good bureaucrat. I believed in the possibility of governments that governed well. And I was also deeply frustrated with so many of the uh, cliched images, the projections, the um, tiresome uh, stories, outsider stories, so to speak, that you normally read about the bureaucracy. It was like reading... uh, 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 It all seemed like cultural appropriation, let's say. Predictable incompetence and cynicism and a lack of ideas and um, uh, all, all the kind of uh, cliches of, you know, uninspiring, unintelligent sort of viewpoints or, or pictures of bureaucrats all seem to me like flogging a muzzled horse. And uh, I gave up uh, my idea of what a good what a good bureaucrat could be, and uh, uh, the ideals, I guess, the tradition of governing well, with a lot of difficulty, grief, slowly and fitfully. I kept thinking maybe I could make this work, and uh, my writing collected in. 13 ways of looking at a bureaucrat imagined what a more subtle, intelligent, virtuous life as a good bureaucrat could be. I address what governing well could be under conditions of political decay, political disorder, republics uh, struggling with defining the public good and even democracies in distress. And in the early days of my podcast, I addressed this issue as part of my initial 12 episodes that looked at the four big trends of imperial rivalry, social fragmentation, cultural decay and political disorder. I directly addressed my experience, uh, my lived experience of bureaucracy in episode six, uh, way back in June 2021, uh, in an episode I titled The True History of the Bureaucracy Gang, which of course was an allusion to uh, Peter Carey's novel, The True History of the Kelly Gang, The Bushrangers of 19th century Victoria uh, and uh, back then I was still learning to how, how to use the microphone properly and edit in audacity and and to do this whole podcasting game I guess I'm still learning how to do it but it, you might even want to go back and listen to that episode after this one because many of the ideas and insights, I guess, um, I spoke about in that episode uh, reflected 
what uh, will ultimately appear in 13 ways of uh, looking at a bureaucrat. At that point, I was still a serving public servant and I was very conscious that I was under uh, speech code restrictions and uh, feared, I guess, retribution for telling people, however indirectly, how things really were within the hallowed halls of government. I both felt determined to say what I wanted to say because of the degradation of the bureaucracy was in fact a large part of uh, democracies in distress. In fact, I think the question I posed at the start of that show was, is the bureaucracy to blame? As I guess lots of people like to finger point it you know, uh, incompetent bureaucrats and uh, bureaucrats who don't give frank and fearless advice. And there has been a bit of a spate of that in Australia following the Royal Commission on the robo-debt issue where it's been, I guess, a culture of uh, just doing what the minister wants. And if you like, that was one of the issues I was addressing in that episode on the true history of the bureaucracy gang that nonetheless was actually talking more about uh, historical issues rather than present day issues. So I certainly did not breach any uh, speech code rules. But you can... Uh, today, perhaps, read between the lines. Uh, so most of what you read or view about the bureaucracy is really written by one of two groups. Uh, and, you know, this is a bit of an oversimplification, I guess, but uh, group one is the kind of praise or mockery by outsiders or people who've, you know, dropped in briefly, life as a ministerial advisor or something like that. Or satirists uh, like Utopia, like Yes Minister, uh, and who are really just using the experience of bureaucracy for their comic or journalistic material. And that material is all about a bunch of people who don't get the opportunity to speak back because they are under those speech code restrictions. And often you could almost describe the work of many academics on bureaucracy as the same group. It, they might have some, and I mean, the, from what I've uh, looked at over the years, the extent of true scholarship on bureaucracy despite the early pioneer of the great German sociologist Max Weber, is pretty poor. Um, and so a lot of academics trade, I guess, in similarly cliched images of what a bureaucrat, what public administration is, often with their university administration, um, they, they see government bureaucrats as uh, just uh, another even more lowly incarnation of their enemies in the bureaucratic university administration of universities. Anyhow, that's just a bit of a side theory. And the second group uh, who you might read or uh, view, listen to, 
talking about the bureaucracy is really the opinions of the sort of retired grandees, the most senior bureaucrats who've seen the bureaucracy not from the trenches, not from uh, not across the entire battlefield, but from the commanding heights of the very top. Uh, most of these senior bureaucrats still want power, influence, board appointments, consulting contracts. They still play the game, so to speak. And they're not really saying anything terribly deep, truthful, complex or critical. And I did not want to write about the bureaucracy in that way. I wanted to write more authentically from my own experience as a very minor government official who, like uh, Machiavelli in a famous passage introducing either the discourses or the prince, it's actually a passage from uh, Machiavelli's The Discourses and the dedication letter at the start where Machiavelli writes uh, or wrote back in the early 1500s for to judge aright, one should esteem men because they are gener generous, not because they have the power to be generous, and in like manner should admire those who know how to govern a kingdom, not those who, without knowing how, actually govern one. And this uh, statement was a bit of a motto for me in how I, uh, I guess, went about writing the essays in, uh, that are to be collected in my book, 13 Ways of Looking at a Bureaucrat, informed by the belief that Machiavelli also articulated that the realities of power can often be best observed from the low battlefields, not the commanding heights, that those who lead governments are not always the best sources of advice on how to govern, whether those who lead governments are leading the governments as politicians or as very politically attuned heads of bureaucracy. And if you listen back to that uh, earlier episode six of the podcast, which I did uh, the other day, you realise, I guess, if you do read between the lines, that although I said nothing at all inappropriate and I largely framed my comments in terms of uh, the literature and the history on bureaucracy, there are some inferences that you could draw from the uh, podcast that are devastating criticisms of today's bureaucracy, uh, not just in my immediate state uh, of Victoria in southeastern Australia, but across, I guess, the Western democracies. The question I raised was, is the bureaucracy to blame for our uh, democracies in distress and our numerous policy failures, whether those policy, we may disagree on which one which particular issue is a policy failure, but there have certainly been a fair number of policy failures on all, uh, from all uh, points of the political spectrum. So, in a way, that is what I uh, address more directly in the book 13 Ways of uh, Looking at a Bureaucrat. And I'm also going to address those questions perhaps uh, uh, a little bit 
free of constraints in a future podcast. But you'll also sense uh, listening to that podcast and uh, when you do ultimately get to read 13 Ways of Looking at a Bureaucrat uh, in the mid-2023, mid that it's also a story that could only be told perhaps by someone with my unique combination of experiences. Someone with lived experience of the failed trenches of the bureaucracy, bleeding out trenches of the bureaucracy. Uh, Someone who had practised a lifelong study of politics, not just narrow politics in Australia, but politics uh, and forms of government across the world. And also someone with a deep cultural, even cross-cultural perspective, a broad knowledge of the history of governing. And by governing, I don't mean politics. I mean something different. I mean uh, not just the political contest uh, between political leaders, but the process of governing of people working in states. Uh, you know, uh, in the, like, not states and territories, but states and polities, people working in states, uh, what they do to govern the people they are seeking to exercise authority over. And fourthly, uh, in terms of this unique combination of experiences or perspectives, as we learned last week, the fourth part of that unique set of perspectives was that I was a, a poet, a writer lost in the web of words and practical. The, the web, I think it was, it might have even been Weber again who described the webs of meaning that uh, people spin as a term for culture even. So anyhow... There you go, another example. I've been lost in the web of words. But practically this meant I was often used to crafting speeches and all sorts of text in government. And sometimes it meant I felt like Bernard in Yes Minister, always looking for the puns, always looking for the irregular conjugation of verbs, um, I have a strategy, you have an interesting point, and they have a conspiracy theory. And looking for the witticism, not the outcomes in meetings. Uh, But my experience as a poet and a reader of poetry also gave me the title for this book, The 13 Ways of Looking at a Bureaucrat, And for a series of essays I wrote on the blog in uh, 2016, Uh, I think it was 2016, it might have been 2017, Um, but uh, in that series of essays I wrote on the blog, uh, 13 Ways of uh, Looking at a Bureaucrat, perhaps really for the first time I brought together my qualities as an essayist, historian, bureaucrat, manager, man of the world, diplomat, poet and really sought to generate uh, some new perspectives on just what was the lived experience of the bureaucracy and um, 
so that is that it was from poetry uh, uh, that not just my not just writing but from poetry that uh, this book 13 ways of looking at a bureaucrat sprung and it drew from uh, Wallace Stevens the sort of American poet 20th century American poet Wallace Stevens uh, poem 13 ways of looking at a blackbird uh, which is a remarkable poem a widely published poem a widely published poem that you know you can check out on the internet uh, and it's a remarkable poem about perception and perspective just how many ways can you find to look at this dull boring despised figure a suburban figure almost um, uh, in Stephen's case the blackbird in mine the bureaucrat uh, in uh, his or her cardigan and when I wrote this long series of blog posts uh, an introduction plus the 13 uh, separate posts uh, after the introduction I um, each one of the following 13 sections was based around one of the 13 ways of looking at a blackbird and actually cited started with um, Wallace Stevens poem and each one of those posts was a kind of a response in a way to the images and thoughts and my own associations with Stevens poem and how they illuminated different perspectives different ways of looking at a bureaucrat and what I might do is just read from the introductory post uh, to that uh, series and it begins by quoting uh, Adam Phillips Adam Phillips is a British psychoanalyst and essayist who has written a large number of uh, wonderful essays which are kind of partly about his engagement with literature partly his engagement with the process of therapy and psychoanalysis uh, partly his reflections on the challenges of life there's a great one I think called staying like a great collection of his essays called staying sane which is perhaps uh, a task we all need to do these days uh, so I begin this introductory thing by quoting Adam Phillips uh, who writes psychoanalysts don't usually write essays they tend to write lectures or papers or chapters or what are perhaps called optimistically contributions. And then I go on to write, if Philip's invitation masked in the form of a provocation is true of psychoanalysis, how much more true is it of my own profession, public servant, civil servant, bureaucrat bureaucrats do not write essays also some people might believe they write briefs presentations summaries talking points in descending order of intellectual significance indeed among many of the bureaucrats among whom i have made a, a kind of living 
uh, like some transplanted flower placed by a bumbling gardener in too much sun or too much shade in the acid soil where its roots soak all day in water. To write an essay is a phrase to denigrate a staff member who has put too much thought into a paper and simply cannot reduce it down to memorisable talking points to be scanned for performance in front of your superiors. Don't give me an essay, they will say. Just tell me what I need to know. Is it because of the general contempt in this profession for this most inventive, flexible genre of prose? A few years ago, I recall a lifeless panel run by the local institute of public administration that asked the latest bunch of mini, very celebrity bureaucrats what books they felt best represented life in the bureaucracy. The responses were so pallid, except for one from a genuine reader who nominated Hilary Mantel's rich portrait of that man of affairs, Thomas Cromwell, in Wolf Hall and its sequels. When you search for, when you search Google for best novels about the bureaucracy, you get a rather tired old list Kafka's Castle, Heller's Catch-22, Gogol's Dead Souls, and then a few references to satires of communist bureaucracy as if it were only an East European institution, before slipping in a reference to Yes Minister or similar light television comedies, including in the Australian context utopia. A few mention David Foster Wallace's Infinite Jest or Pale King, from which I recall surely one of the funniest literary names for a government department, the United States Office of Unspecified Services, U-S-O-U-S, which you may well pronounce as use o us but these uh, representations of life in the bureaucracy have never really registered with me as genuine engagements with the life of the mind as it is practiced in our government offices. Yet it is that very culture with its foibles and traps and few moments of genius that I have dedicated the greater part of my working life to. It is that life of the mind in which I have experienced problems as deep ethical dilemmas, as thorny practical judgments, as meticulously thought out issues as any second-rate university research seminar. But the world would not know this because bureaucrats do not write essays. So maybe they should and maybe I should and maybe I have already begun. Adam Phillips is an inspiration to me in this task, this attempt, this essay, in more ways than one. He has stepped outside the sterile code of his profession and lifted from its place, discarded on the floor, one of the traditions that exceed the profession's histories. After all, Freud was a great essayist, perhaps a greater essayist than a psychologist. And within my profession, with some 
flexible interpretation of its boundaries across a long and diverse global history. There have been some great essayists, some great investigators of the human spirit as it is tested in the public life of the mind. There are the Chinese ancients for a start. Confucius was, after all, a public official dismayed at the demoralisation of conduct in public office, who roamed the country for years with his teachings that sought to inspire a nobler spirit of duty. There were the great Byzantine scholar bureaucrats. Indeed, there is the extraordinary Emma, Anna Komnena, and her portrait of her father, Alexiad. There is Francis Bacon, although we might reach with him perhaps more for the title of statesman and grandee. But still, government official he was. His essays speak still across the centuries to the peculiar obligations, duties and privileges of the bureaucrat who offers advice to a modern-day prince. The greatest trust between man and man, Bacon wrote around 1600, between person and person we might say today, is the trust of giving counsel. C-O-U-N-S-E-L. So if Bacon's essays can endure these 400 years and preserve a wisp of this peculiar, secreted, and yet all too human life that I have led as a government official, surely I should honour this tradition by picking it up from its dusty corner and finding a new reinvention of the essay form to speak of the true experience of bureaucracy. Long ago, maybe 10 years ago, I took it into my head to write one such essay about the real life of the mind of bureaucrats, at least the kind of public official that I aspire to be, that would take its cue from Wallace Stevens' 13 ways of looking at a blackbird. Over the years, the yearning to express the true spirit has grown stronger as I have watched public institutions and public culture decay around me and read other testament testimony of such decay as in Francis Fukuyama's Political Order and Political Decay. The first impulse of this essay was to speak as a wistful, even comic challenge to the many stakeholders I had met over the years who had treated me and other faithful, dutiful, honest public servants with sneering contempt. Take a look at the world through my eyes for a minute, I thought, if you will. Think of me as Stephen's manifold blackbird and do not fixate on a cardboard cutout image of who I am, what I do, and especially how I think. As the years have rolled on, however, my thoughts on the essay have turned in different directions. 
I have wanted to write a j'accuse, I accuse, to all the treasonous clerks who have profited from office sought to break the greater traditions of the profession and betrayed the higher purposes of public service. Some, now disgraced I might add as a footnote, even proclaim nonsense like the public purpose sector to describe all the consultocrats and tax farming firms who thrive on advantageous government contracts, tolls and partnerships. In yet another mood, the 13 ways of looking at a bureaucrat is an elegy for a kind of life of the mind that has died around me. I sing my sad songs and hope the gods will resurrect this tradition, but the odds on that seem to grow slimmer by the day. Still, what is writing for if not to write sad songs that honour the traditions that represent the best of who you are? And who can say that my laments may not inspire at least one of my fellow officials? Now, my uh, uh, former fellow officials to rise above the muck of daily talking points, the ill-considered decisions, the bluff and bluster of those consultocratic courtiers who know no better way. So with those questions, let me end for tonight and promise a mini-series of posts, 13 in all, each prompted by the great poem by Wallace Stevens on Perspective, 13 Ways of Looking at a Blackbird. get a sense of what the posts are if I just read the titles quickly so number one is vigilance among stillness number two the three-eyed raven number three the craft of the cameo actor number four in unity is death number five the beauty of the bureaucrat number six through barbaric glass darkly number seven at the thin feet of thin men number eight involved in what i know number nine servants of utopia number ten flights uh, flight in green light flight in green light number eleven people who live in glass coaches number twelve the thaw the flight and number thirteen the long waits of winter. Uh, so you'll be able to read that whole uh, collection uh, when I publish the uh, book uh, mid-year, but you could also find it uh, if you can't wait until then, if you check out my blog, theburningarchive.com and search for 13 Ways of Looking at a Bureaucrat. And together with the, it's like a short book, uh, long long essay 
uh, 13 ways of looking at a bureaucrat. I've also added in my other posts from the blog on politics, policy and government, as well as a couple of uh, posts from my uh, earlier blog, The Happy Pessimist, uh, which I didn't write in my own name. And I have also added to that as well a couple of papers uh, that I, I wrote as a serving bureaucrat, but kind of not entirely in my role as bureaucrat on alcohol policy and on uh, the Royal Commission on uh, Institutional Responses to Childhood Sexual Abuse, both of which activated, I guess, my my thinking mind, not just my bureaucratic mind. I've pulled all these together in a separate book or two from the Burning Archive, partly because from the Burning Archive was already a 400-page book with its essays on literature, culture, history and empires, but also because I wanted the uh, clear air from uh, my uh, retirement from the bureaucracy before I published some of those, or published more broadly, I guess, those uh, those pieces. And I think throughout all of that, and you can probably sense that in that uh, introductory essay, for, um, but it also comes through in many of the other essays in the book, I was really searching, I guess, for some insight, some advice on what I would call to myself the ordinary virtues of governing well. A concept that I toyed with turning into a book of its own, but I guess I'm now redefining as uh, this new project um, of my edited essays, 13 Ways of Looking at a Bureaucrat, but which I also addressed back in the podcast on episode seven in fact i titled that podcast episode uh, which was addressing a potential solution to the problem of political decay or political disorder in the development of a culture of the ordinary virtues of governing well so uh, you can get a sense of what i meant by all of that if you listen to that uh, episode from back in June 2021. And I guess I also wanted to leave some testimony of the lessons that I had learned through 33 years as a government official. Lessons, I think, that are of broader significance than just the Victorian public service or the Victorian government, minor provincial government, one of the sort of outer reaches of the global American empire that it is. And in a way, some of those lessons were about how to be a good bureaucrat. Some of it was, well, what is the state of our democracy today? But I guess I also observed a huge range of people, a huge slice of life in my years in uh, public service, a huge diversity of issues and problems and perspectives and people, which perhaps offers us some insight into how we are to live now. And at this point, I'm intending to talk about some of those lessons uh, of what I learned through the 33 years as a government official 
in an upcoming series of podcasts on that topic. What did I learn in 33 years as a government official and how can it inform how we live now in the state of the world that we find it? How does it help us shape our public life together in in, I guess, the Western democracies that certainly don't seem to be all that they are cracked up to be. I've had experiences I can share about many things that are also beyond public policy issues that are questions of life, of, you know, meaning and importance to people. Alcohol and drugs, mental health, how to achieve truth and reconciliation about past wrongs, uh, as in, like, with child sexual abuse, child sexual abuse, uh, trauma, violence, terrorism, bureaucracy, all sorts of fascinating things. And I think many of those issues also might be of interest to a global audience. It's not just a sort of local Victorian kind of issue. We all struggle in our different ways with those uh, those kind of issues. So let me know if you think that will be of interest to you and leave us a comment. And what you can also do is subscribe to my free newsletter at Substack. So Jeff, J-E-F-F, Rich, R-I-C-H, dot Substack, S-U-B-S-T-A-C-K, dot com. Uh, and you can get my sort of free weekly newsletter where I offer glimpses of the multipolar world and also sort of share my work about what I'm uh, doing and what the upcoming issues of the podcast are and you can uh, correspond with me there. So I think this book that I'm preparing, 13 Ways of Looking at a Bureaucrat, is bringing, sharing with the world some past work I've done, but it's also morphing into this next project that I'm thinking of, which is, you know, how do we live now? Um in uh, a state of democracies in distress. Uh, the little state that I worked for for 33 years, Victoria, uh, was in the mid-19th century, uh, you know, the, the uh, considered one of the most, or the earliest, one of the early advanced democracies. The secret ballot, after all, used to be called the Victorian ballot. Uh, it was invented here. Uh, well, at least one likely origin is here. And perhaps today it's also an early advanced post-democracy. I'm not sure that is an issue for debate. And I think I've had a unique perspective on that fall, that decline, that degeneration over the last 40 years of my uh, adult life. And that's really what I think I'll be reflecting on in my next book after uh, 13 Ways of Looking at a Bureaucrat, uh, which is How Do We Live Now After Western Democracy? Which can mean both 
whatever the form of state we are in the Western liberal democracies, but also in a more multipolar world where, as Dr. S.J. Schenker says, there are more people in the world who live in democracies than who live in Western democracy or who live in democracies outside the Western world than who live in democracies in the Western world. How do we reshape our understanding of what uh, democracy, post-democracy, uh, a well-functioning republic, a good government is in these new circumstances? And uh, how do we... How do we, um, uh, those of us with no real power, no real capacity to make major changes to systems and institutions and leaderships, who 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 might get to vote every few years, but don't feel the vote really matters all that much to how things happen? How do we? live a sensible ethical life in those circumstances so that's the kind of uh, book uh, that i'll be working on next and i'll be addressing some of those themes in my next podcast so i hope you've enjoyed this little sort of insight into the work that i'm doing the next book after 13 ways of looking at a bureaucrat and I hope it's given you some insight into what life is really like as a bureaucrat. And just to reiterate, you can uh, subscribe to my free newsletter at jeffrich, J-E-F-F-R-I-C-H, dot substack dot com. I'd love it if you did because it will help build my audience and I'll be able to speak directly with you. So... Uh, why don't you do that? You can also subscribe to my YouTube channel at the Burning Archive, the, the Burning Archive YouTube channel, readily discoverable. I've just done, a, I think, fascinating uh, a video about the Indian Foreign Minister, Dr. S.J. Shanker's book, The India Way, which describes, I guess, India's foreign policy and strategy in a multipolar world. And you can also buy my books, whether that's from the Burning Archive, my um, sort of essays on culture, history, literature, writing, social issues, or my book of poetry from uh, Gathering Flowers of the Mind. And also, if you like, also you can uh, and share, tell someone else about the podcast, the YouTube channel the Substack newsletter, uh, and the books. And I will see you in, uh, and you will hear more from me in a week's time uh, when I'll be talking about how do we live now after Western democracy. Oh, and do remember, perhaps, especially as we work out how we live now after Western democracy, what thou lovest well will not be reft from thee. What thou lovest well shall not be reft from thee. <laughs>